Saint John Paul II, during his pontificate, developed a theology on the moments of conversion that people experience in drawing near to God. Dr. Carol Brown, an instructor at Catholic Distance University, distilled nine moments of conversion from John Paul II's teaching. The first moment was a response to the Word of God, so the person in some way responds to the Word of God. The second moment is that God breaks into a person's consciousness. The third moment is an act of self-entrustment to God. So the person in some way gives himself or herself over to God. The fourth moment is an establishment of a personal relationship with Jesus. These moments of conversion can occur in different orders, of course, because God often draws people to himself using various means. Our Protestant brothers and sisters often ask Catholics if they have a personal relationship with Jesus, implying that perhaps Catholics are not Christian. This misunderstanding is not uncommon among Protestants. Of course, Catholics are Christian. Catholics are the Christians because the Church dates back in continuity to the Apostles and to Christ. Therefore, the Church bears deed and title to the true Christian religion, as Reverend O'Brien wrote in his book, The Faith of Millions. It's a matter of history that Christ instituted the Catholic or Universal Church on the authority of St. Peter, who became the first Pope. See Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. And promised to be with his church all days. Matthew 28, 20. Making the church the spirit-guided institution of saving truth, the pillar and bulwark of the truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 but the question of whether we have a personal relationship with Jesus is a valid and important question, not just for Catholics, but for every person on the face of the earth. I prefer the language of intimate communion with Christ rather than personal relationship with Christ because it emphasizes the communal nature of salvation as members of the one church of Jesus Christ. It's not me and Jesus, it's us and Jesus although Jesus certainly does relate to us in a personal way. But we want to avoid an individualistic understanding of our relationship with Jesus, which can be problematic in a number of ways. Do we have a relationship of intimate communion with Christ? This question bears some reflection. It is the case that many Catholics and other Christians lack such a relationship with Jesus. John Paul II noted this situation, and it was one of his concerns during his pontificate. Of course, Benedict XVI and Pope Francis have echoed these concerns in their own ways. It's true that of the 28% of Catholics who attend Mass each Sunday, receive the Eucharist each Sunday, many of them still do not enjoy a deep and intimate communion with Christ. We can know this because their lives do not bear the signs that accompany and intimate communion with Jesus. We should all take a serious interior look at ourselves and ask, how close am I to Jesus? Do I wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night thinking about him? Is Jesus an occasional passing thought? Or do I think about Jesus as someone who is available to me? Or do I think about him as someone who walks constantly beside me? 
Is Jesus someone I call on when a need arises, or is he someone who is truly the center of my life and my existence? What would it be like if I were to go a whole day without thinking about Jesus, conversing with him, praying to him, and worshiping him? Would this bother me, or would it describe what is already my normal way of living? As I said previously, the first normal moments of conversion are responding to the Word of God, God breaking into our consciousness, making an act of self-entrustment to God, and a relationship with Christ. If the Word of God has little meaning in our lives, or if God is not broken through into our consciousness, which will not normally happen unless we are open to God in some way, it's difficult to imagine how we can possibly have a relationship with Jesus. In the same way, if I have not entrusted myself to God personally, with some level of self-abandonment to God, it's also difficult to imagine how I can have a personal relationship with Jesus, a relationship of intimate communion with Christ. But the goal of life is to enter into this intimate communion with Christ, and this has to begin and end in contact with Christ. Let's take a look at the Gospel for the fourth Sunday of Lent from John chapter 9. Here we have the story of a man born blind from birth, and Jesus encounters this man. The Old Testament biblical understanding of this situation was that some sin in this man's family had prevented God from bestowing the blessing of physical sight upon this man. That's simply the way the Jews of the time viewed this. Jesus encounters him, stoops down, and takes saliva and dirt and mixes it into a clay. He smears this mixture on his eyes and tells the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And after doing this, the man is able to see. Do you see the movement here? The blind man encounters Jesus, the Word of God made flesh. He responds to Jesus, does what he asks, and entrusts himself to the direction Jesus gives him. And as a result, he is healed. He is healed by coming into contact with Christ. His sight is restored. This sight has meaning in spiritual terms. So the evangelist John is not merely referring to physical sight only. Think for a moment about the difference between physical blindness and spiritual blindness. If I'm physically blind, that will hamper me throughout my earthly life, yes. But if I am spiritually blind, that can hamper me for eternity. If I lose sight of God through mortal sin and become spiritually dead and die in that state unrepentant, I cannot enter into heaven. I would lose God forever. It's a terrifying possibility, since it is in God alone that all perfect truth, beauty, goodness, and happiness lies. As St. Teresa of Avila wrote, God alone suffices. He who possesses God possesses everything. The person who does not have God has nothing. We see then that spiritual blindness is by far the worst type of blindness. The sight given to the blind man is essential, since it represents the ability to see reality as it is, to see clearly spiritually. 
Many other things can be said about this wonderful gospel. It's filled with deep meaning and symbolism. One thing that comes to mind is how Jesus' actions point to the sacraments of the church. The sacraments also use created things, not saliva and dirt, but bread, wine, oil, and water. These are what is called the matter of the sacraments. When we celebrate the sacraments in faith and in the church, they bring us into contact with Christ. This is the case because the mysteries of the life of Christ, especially the Paschal mystery, his saving passion, death, and resurrection, have passed over into the sacraments. Think about the sacrament of baptism, for example. The matter of the sacrament is water. It is a sign of cleansing, renewal, and new life. In receiving baptism, the recipient is cleansed of original sin and all personal sin in the case of an adult as well. And he is configured to Christ, incorporated into the church, and given the gift of the indwelling Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. This is a sacrament of spiritual regeneration. It truly is a moment in which the person becomes a new creation and now lives as a child of God imbued with the light of Christ. The point is, all the sacraments of the church, when celebrated in faith, bring us into contact with Christ. They bring about communion with Christ. The Eucharist, most especially as the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the glorified Christ himself, does this. In receiving the Eucharist, we receive Christ. As Jesus teaches in John chapter 6, verse 50 through 57, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. And yet, obviously, as important as the Mass and the sacraments are, they are not exhaustive of bringing about deeper communion with Jesus. Said another way, they're not magical instruments that suddenly transform us into models of perfection against our will or without our having much of anything to do with it. You see, there are things we still need to do, things we still need to struggle with. We still have to walk the road of prayer, advancing toward union with Christ. We have to walk the road of holiness of life. Our own efforts here are indispensable. Let's return to our gospel for a moment. The formerly blind man met with the Pharisees, who didn't like what he had to say and cast him out of their presence. And then later he encountered Jesus again. Jesus asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The formerly blind man said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus says, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. The man replies, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. Let me repeat that. He worshipped him. Now the formerly blind man has a relationship with Jesus. He calls Jesus Lord, which is a way of calling him God. 
I can imagine the man whose sight is restored falling prostrate right there before Jesus and worshiping him as Lord. Perhaps there was a crowd watching, wondering what this man was doing. But what does it mean to worship Jesus? This is key to an intimate communion with him. Jesus needs to become the center of our life, the object of our thoughts, actions, deeds, and words. We must follow him, walk beside him as his disciple. Here's a few practical suggestions. Think about this. If someone is really important to you, such as a friend, you make a point to spend time with him. How much more so is it the case with someone you love? How much more so is it the case with Jesus? We need to make a point to spend time with him. Perhaps instead of watching a movie or reading a novel, you can go to your room and pray. Read the Gospels. Practice the ancient prayer tradition of Lectio Divina. Perhaps instead of listening to music or a talk show on the radio while you drive, you can turn off the noise and pray, listening to the voice of Jesus. An intimate communion with Jesus is the most important goal in your life. Christ said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. St. Teresa of Avila, the great doctor of prayer, wrote, Christ will not give himself completely to you until you first give yourself completely to him. God bless you. Thank mm-hmm. you.